Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. to be that strong witness for Christ. You need to get your act together as a church. You need to quit all of this partisan stuff that you have, these little cliques that you have going, suing each other. You need to get the sin out of the church. You need to make the church be what it's supposed to be. So over and over as Paul's writing the church, he comes very, very direct and very, at times, as some thought, very harsh against the church. But yet at the same time, Though he's being straightforward with him, he's continually demonstrated that humility of Christ in both his words and his actions. Today, Pastor David pulls back the curtain on the struggles Paul had in ministry. Paul was both praised and put down for his leadership in the church. At one point, Paul was called a god, and another time his apostleship was questioned. No matter how he was treated, though, he yearned to preach and emphasize the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our reputation is worth risking to serve God and see God work transformation in other people. Like Paul, our lives can be dedicated to fully serving God's purposes. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, The Spiritual Background. Okay, uh, how many of you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Go ahead, raise your hands. It's been repeated many times, so you're not telling your age, okay? The Wizard of Oz, what's the big deal about The Wizard of Oz? You've got this wizard guy that, that seems so absolutely amazing until you look behind the curtain. Then you look behind the curtain, you realize, ah, The Wizard of Oz, he's just kind of a normal guy, but he's got all these uh, special things that are going for him. Well, tonight I wanna take you behind the curtain a little bit, okay? I'm going to take you behind the curtain in a couple of different ways, and if you'll bear with me, hopefully you'll understand where we're going with this. You need to understand that being a pastor, being a church planter, being a ministry leader of any type has a multitude of great rewards with it. And these rewards, they can be spiritual rewards, but they can also be very much emotional awards that you just feel, man, it's just awesome to be able to see how God is is working and moving. There can be times of those great spiritual highs when you suddenly see the hand of God working in and through your life to be able to touch the lives of others. And that's just an awesome understanding and it's an awesome thing to be able to see. Seeing, again, the grace of God that's working in the lives, lives that have been damaged by just the junk of this world, and yet you're able to, through ministering to these individuals or to these families, to see God's hand working, restoring back into fullness these individuals, these families. And again, as a church leader, as a ministry leader, you can, you can walk beside these individuals You can experience your own, literally, refilling of the Spirit of God, re-energizing that revival within yourself when you see that going on in other people's lives in the midst of that battle. 
Now, the emotions of a pastor and also his wife, they can reach uncharted highs, but they can also reach uncharted lows. Again, you you rejoice with those that rejoice. You weep with those that weep. And quite often, one or both of you are placed actually in a position in the minds of some people as being somebody that's much more talented, much more gifted, uh, even more spiritual than you really are. But you know that you and God know exactly where you're at. You're, we're not fooling anybody on that. In the same way that we have those spiritual highs, and sometimes even in the same day that we have those spiritual highs, sometimes even within the same hour, you can experience that blow that sends you just spiraling downward, downward being literally captured by John Bunyan's The, the Giant of Despair and, and being locked into that the dungeon of Doubting Castle and, and just completely overwhelmed. You're questioning not only your call, but you're also questioning your effectiveness within the kingdom of God. And that can happen within the same day as seeing the spiritual eye and all of a sudden, boom, you're plunged into the depths. Now, for those of you that say, no, you, you'd never allow that to happen to you, well, I'd say you've probably not been working in any kind of a ministry for very long, or, or at least you've never held any kind of a responsibility in ministry, because, beloved, it just happens. That same curtain we pull away isn't just the curtain of modern-day pastors and pastors' families. This is the curtain that Paul pulled away for us to be able to see as he was writing to the Corinthians. Paul was so wide open and transparent to the Corinthian church about all the hurts and all the things that he had been experiencing. And yes, many times at the hands of the very church that he was trying to minister to. We are in 2 Corinthians. We're in chapter 10 as we continue our journey on through the books of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Modern church problems in ancient times, exactly what we're seeing, what we've seen as we've studied through the books of First and Second Corinthians, and hopefully it's what we're going to be able to see tonight, what you'll be able to glean from it. The Apostle Paul dealt with these same kind of issues, very similar, uh, even of what we have today. Remember, Paul was proclaimed, he was proclaimed as a god at one location, and he's telling, whoa, 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 no, that's not who we are. And then on another situation, his apostleship is even doubted. We don't even think you're a real apostle. Wait a minute, I don't get it. One day I'm a God and the next day they don't even think I'm saved or they they don't think I'm called or they don't think I have a, a ministry. What a toss and turn, what a roller coaster that had to be in his life. But yet in the midst of that, Paul was the kind of guy that he did everything that he possibly could to stay on that pilgrim's journey, to stay literally in the battle, because that's what we're talking about here. The fact that there is a battle that is going on in lives. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we find the Apostle Paul continuing in his instruction, continuing on in his correction, as well as a bit of chastisement to the church there at Corinth. So look with me now, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, Now I, Paul, myself, I'm pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence I'm lowly among you, but being absent, I'm bold toward you. But I beg you, 
that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Paul writes here emphatically, he says, here I am, I'm Paul, I'm, I'm begging with you, I myself, I'm pleading with you. We've looked at this word, this uh, pleading word. It's the Greek word parakaleo, and we've talked about that in the past. It has that idea of so earnestly begging and pleading with the church. It's it's as if you know a, a small child was doing something, and and the mom was kind of far away, and you saw that if that child took one more step, their life would be in danger, and that mom would say, "No, no, come back, come back." That's the kind of earnest pleading that I believe that Paul is giving this Corinthian church. I believe that that's the heart that Paul had toward that church. He knew that there were some within that fellowship that were walking in dangerous situations. He desired so greatly to be a blessing to that church, but he also knew that there were some that were in that church that just wouldn't have it. Why? Because they, they didn't respect Paul and they, they didn't recognize his position. They didn't honor him as an apostle or the authority that he had to them. So Paul was trying to do everything that he could to pour himself into that church. It would appear from all that we know about the Apostle Paul, I mean, everything from the writings that Luke gives us throughout the book of Acts as he goes on his missionary journeys, as he's dealing not only with the Romans, but with the Jews, as well as other disciples in churches and situations. We see the the letters of Paul to the churches, as well as letters that he wrote to individuals like uh, Timothy and, and Titus and Philemon. You look and you understand Paul, I believe, was a very humble man. I believe that when Christ came into Paul's life, the pride that Paul had prior to that was done away with, and there was a great humility that came upon him. But at the same time, I believe that Paul was a very powerful personality. He's the kind of guy that you don't want to mess with. He's like that, if I can use this phrase, he's like that old dog that just kind of sits over there and, you know, the puppies come and they gnaw at the ear and they pull at the tail and they jump all over him and they think they can do anything they can until finally that dog says, that's enough. And then all of a sudden he jumps and all them puppies start running away because they realize, no, there's, there's something powerful here that we've been messing with. I believe that he's a humble man, but I believe that he's a very powerful personality. Now, he was one... He could stand his ground really before Roman centurions. Remember, they they were trying to beat him. And suddenly he says, hey, is it lawful for you to do this to a Roman citizen? So he wasn't afraid to go ahead and speak his mind and his position there. He was the one who even in chains, as again, the high priest was putting false accusations against him. And suddenly he lashed out at the high priest about making these false accusations. He wasn't afraid to to speak those things that were right and those things that were true. And yet at the same time, he's a guy that wasn't afraid to apologize when suddenly, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were the high priest. I wouldn't have spoken that way to you just because he respected that position, even though the high priest was bringing false accusations, even though the the high priest had arrested him falsely. But yet 
At the same time, the humility of Paul was demonstrated through that. Paul, over all of his ministry, I believe that the people of Corinth were able to see in Paul this humble and this caring attitude whenever he was with them. And yet we find in both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, the letters that we have, we find Paul using these strong words, these harsh words, these words of conviction, these words of correction, these words of instruction to them. And man, he just lays it right on the line. He's straightforward as he's writing to them. He's trying to give them counsel for their leadership as as well as for the people of the church there. A a church that was planted right in the midst of such a, a chaotic pagan society. And Paul is encouraging, particularly in his writings. Man, you, you'd need to be that strong witness for Christ. You need to get your act together as a church. You need to quit all of this partisan stuff that you have, these little cliques that you have going, suing each other. You need to get the sin out of the church. You need to make the church be what it's supposed to be. So over and over as Paul's writing the church, he comes very, very direct and very, at times, as some thought, very harsh against the church. But yet at the same time, though he's being straightforward with him, he's continually demonstrated that humility of Christ in both his words and his actions. But as with most churches and in most cultures, there were some that considered themselves pretty much as uh, super saints, okay? They, They considered themselves as super saints and they were the ones that knew what decisions needed to be made. They were the ones that knew what directions uh, the church needed to travel. They had this special, special knack of, of knowing just the right way to do ministry, even though they themselves had never been experienced with the kind of hands-on type of ministry that Paul had been doing for years and for years, particularly there at Corinth as he gave birth to that church and ministered to that church and loved that church, and now he's getting so much pushback from that church. Paul explains to him how he he doesn't want to come down on them hard. He he doesn't want to be that way when he comes and he's there with them physically. He knows he'll need to be strong in dealing with some of those, some of those that continue to make trouble, some of those that again continue to question his authority, some of those that are leading the church in the wrong way. He knows he's going to have to be hard on them, but he doesn't want to be hard on the whole congregation. He doesn't want to be the the hard guy or the the bad cop situation when he comes to see him again. Some say that they look at Paul and in that they look and saw him ministering physically in such a gentle way, but yet they read his words and they said, and yet you're writing in such a harsh way. And so from the words that Paul gives us here in chapter 10, they pretty well figured that he's a guy that's working in the flesh. He's not really spirit-led. Oh yeah, he's a big man, big, tough, and hard when he's away from us, but when he's near us, he's, he's this humble guy and he's gentle guy. He must be uh, doing this whole thing, doing this whole ministry in the flesh, drawn by fleshly motives, doing the battle with the devices of the world and in the flesh. Look at what he says there in verse two. He says, I do intend to be bold against some. Some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Paul understood that the flesh was involved in our lives. 
you know, he, he fully understood that we can't get away or, or be completely separated from this flesh while we're carrying this carcass around with us, okay? As long as we've got this with us, we're gonna be dealing with issues of the flesh. Paul fully understood that. But he also knew that the battles of the spirit weren't going to be won with the instruments of the flesh. And that's what he wants that church to understand. Look what he says in verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Now, he's kind of answering the question of those that say, well, Paul, I, I think you're, you're not really being spirit-led. You're being led by your own thoughts, your own understanding. He says, look, we're walking in the flesh, but you need to understand when the battle comes, we battle in the spirit. We don't battle according to the flesh. He goes on in verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Now, we use this verse you know, just as believers, we, we use this verse to remind ourselves that the real battle that we fight in, in every way, the real battle that's, being, that's, that's before us, it's in the spiritual realm. It is in the spiritual realm, even though a lot of times that battle is manifested in the flesh. We, we see events happening with our, with our eyes in the flesh, and if we're thinking in the flesh, if we're walking in the flesh, we try to respond in the flesh. But if we're walking in the spirit and an attack comes, then we realize, you know what? This isn't a battle between you and me. This is a battle that the enemy's trying to come and bring. This is a spiritual battle that's happening. When suddenly discord and disunity within friends or family members come, you need to remember, yeah, it's manifested in the flesh. There's no doubt about that. But we need to understand, no, this is a, this is a spiritual battle. Why? Because the enemy is looking to destroy us. You get frustrated at a church. You get frustrated at leadership. You know, it's all manifested in the flesh. Well, what they did, what they said, what they didn't do, what they didn't say, what they should have said, what they didn't say. All these things that, that becomes a battle for us. And suddenly you need to realize, wait a minute, this, though it's manifested in the flesh, this is really a spiritual battle because the enemy's trying to trip me up. He's trying to stumble me. He's trying to slow me down in these things. So we need to understand that though it might be manifested it really is a spiritual battle. We all need to be continually reminded, gang, the flesh is here. It is present with us, but that's not the realm in which we do battle. Not in the flesh. It's gotta be done in the spirit. There are strongholds in people's lives that need to be pulled down and destroyed, and that's nothing that we can do in the flesh. Have you ever considered the definition of what a stronghold is? What is a stronghold in someone's life? Let me give you at least one understanding here. Strongholds are spiritual battlegrounds in our lives or even within our culture 
that are already secured by the enemy. Already secured by the enemy. That's what a stronghold is. Stronghold isn't just a weakness in the flesh. No, a stronghold is something that the enemy already has his forces involved in. They've already secured that hill. And that's where a stronghold is. And those strongholds that come within our lives and also within our culture, those are the things that, again, man, come at us and at us and at us. And we might have a victory in one battle. We might have a victory in another battle. But until we get victory over those strongholds, we'll never have the completeness of the victory that is ours in Christ. Paul knew how strongholds were manifested in the flesh. They're manifested in godlessness, godless acts. They're manifested in in antichrist attitudes, man. Not the heart of Christ, but antichrist. I'm not speaking about the guy that's gonna rise in the last day. I'm talking about anything that is against the mind and the heart of Christ. Let me ask you real quick, and you don't need to raise your hands. Uh, As a matter of fact, please don't. You do know that even as Christians, you and I can have antichrist attitudes, right? You can shake your head, so okay. I just didn't want you to volunteer in saying that you did, okay? But we can have attitudes that are antichrist attitudes. They're not for the glory of Christ. They're not for the heart of Christ. No, they're for the heart of my flesh. They're, they're the heart of uh, you know what the world is pulling at me, and that becomes antichrist. Strongholds can be manifested in the flesh by things by, like pride. When the word is so strong about you and I walking humbly before each other with a heart of service toward each other. And then yet in the flesh, suddenly we kick up this thing of pride. And suddenly we begin to exalt ourselves a little bit more. We're going to look Sunday when, in, in our study in Luke And here at the very night that Jesus is being betrayed, Jesus is telling him there's a betrayer among us. Here I'm serving this this supper with you and there's a betrayer among us. And all the guys say, wow, is it me? Is it him? Is it who? Is it who? And then as soon as they get over that, then they start saying, well, who do you think's the greatest in the kingdom? Maybe it's me. I mean, I've been with Jesus since, I mean, longer than you have, and, and on and Suddenly, pride is so quick and easy to get in. And sometimes it's spiritual pride. Spiritual pride that, again, is not the heart of Christ. These strongholds can be manifested in the physical realm in undisciplined lifestyles. Undisciplined lifestyles that allow us to be able to play in the world for a while and feel very comfortable in the world and in the way of the world and then also come then as the body of Christ gathers and feel very comfortable within the body of Christ without the depth of conviction, without the depth of, again, the Holy Spirit working. Why? Because, man, there's a stronghold in my life that's allowing me to play both of these things And I'm not growing any closer to the Lord. I'm just playing in church. Fleshly manifestations of strongholds. We become lovers of self rather than lovers of God.
2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.